What's going on? What's going on, everybody? What's up? What's up? What's up? Hey, look, you know what it is. It's Tuesday, Taco Tuesday, your favorite Tuesday. Look, I know that's not your favorite Tuesday because it's Taco Tuesday, but it's your favorite Tuesday because it's the Credit Lab Podcast. What's your favorite host in the whole wide world, Ronnie Francois, Chopping with Credit Lab Podcast? This amazing episode. The topic is how important is generational wealth? That's right. How important is generational wealth to you? I already know the answer. Just hold on to it. And as always, we have a super awesome, amazing, special guest on this episode. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get the show started. What's going on? What's going on, everybody? It's your favorite credit hero, Ronnie Francois, and the Credit Lab, chopping it up, doing what we do, changing your life every day, one person at a time. And the topic for this episode is how important is generational wealth? We know generational wealth is something that's important to everybody. And also, too, we have a super amazing special guest up on here. And we have a special guest on the Credit Lab podcast. Valerie, Valerie, welcome to the Credit Lab Podcast. How you doing? How you doing? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. How are you? Thank you for having me on your amazing show. I'm doing good, doing good. Again, you know, thank you for coming up on here. And it was Tuesday. You probably could have been doing a lot more of the important stuff, probably home making tacos, but you're up on here chopping it up. So definitely appreciate it uh, because, you know, you definitely, you was hand-selected. Um, you know, you're probably doing some amazing things in your community. You probably uh, Making some positive impact, so that's probably one of that's probably one of the reasons why you was handpicked. So again, you know, um, like I said, I know you have amazing nonprofit that you work on. You're writing a book, and you have a whole bunch of other stuff going on. But some of the viewers and listeners that don't know you, and you know, just take a couple, just take a few minutes to kind of introduce yourself. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for first of all having me on your show. It's a pleasure. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Valerie Lemestri, better known as Val Lemma. And by day, my position um, is that I am a recruiter for a large company in New York. And basically what I do is I help New Yorkers to find employment. And those jobs range from various, such as security, working at stadiums, working in large scale restaurants, the airport, working as a delivery driver, working as a package handler, the list goes on and on of the various roles that I do assist people to find. So um, the way I actually do this particular position is that I host large scale job fairs. I do them in person. And I also do them virtually where I can meet the candidates right on the computer. Now, um, this particular position has resulted in me helping over 5,000 people to find employment uh, in the city of New York, which is an amazing accomplishment for me. And a little bit more about me is that I am also a co-author of a upcoming book. And that particular book is something that is true and dear to me. And the majority of the profits of that book will be going to a not-for-profit organization that I also have started. So that's a little bit about me. Hey, I mean, that's super awesome. Um, again, so you definitely got the nonprofit going on, getting started soon. You're doing a lot to help your community. Um, I remember like way back when I wrote my first book. Actually, before I wrote my first book, 
I actually like studied and researched about five years before I wrote it. And then I think uh, I think it was during COVID. I got COVID. So I'm like, you know what? I got COVID. So what am I going to do? <laughs> so within like, you know, seven to 10 days, I wrote my first book. I guess you could say, um, you know, if I didn't get COVID, I probably wouldn't have had, you know, wrote my first book. Uh, so it's kind of weird a little bit. So writing your first book. Um, so what is your what is the topic? What is your book going to be about? Well, my book is going to be about Haiti. OK, so that's just going to pull me into a little bit about like four facts about me so that you can understand the reason why that was selected as the topic of the book. So I am a native New Yorker and I am the daughter of two Haitian parents that have uh, been here since probably in the 60s. So um, the book is going to be about Haiti and it's not going to be about the negative. It's actually going to be about the positive, talking about how Haiti at one point was one of the richest colonies in the Western hemisphere and how we will become rich again. So that's basically what the book is gonna be about, talking about the history, talking about what we came from, talking about how we were the first black republic in the world to have freedom since 1804. And we set the precedence for every other nation to follow suit to become free. So that's what the book's about. Um, that's pretty awesome because um. I don't think a lot of me, some of our reviewers, maybe not all of viewers, all listeners knew that that one time Haiti was one of the richest colonies in the Western Hemisphere. Um, that's pretty dope. Because like, if you look at Haiti right now, um, you Google it, you research it, it's not going to tell you all that. It's going to just show you like some of the negative, the stuff that's going on, like the earthquake, all the stuff that happened. But it's not going to give you some of the important facts. And uh, you're right. And Haiti did get independence back 1804. That's one of the first independent countries, so that's super awesome. So I know that book is definitely going to be fire when it come out. Um, so when is that? Um, do you have a rough idea when that book is coming out, or are you still working on it? I mean, well, you don't have to tell us the exact date. No, I'm happy to tell you. So the book is basically done, and right now it's just being proof proofwritten, and it should be out within the next, let's say, less than two months. Hot on the presses. So super excited about that. Oh, that's really good. I mean, so. Oh, so, yeah. I, I am a co-author, by the way. Oh, okay, that's cool. Hey, look, author's an author, whether you're co-author or main author. Just, I'm like, look, just put my name on the front front of the book. I don't care. Just as long as your name in front of the book, that's the most important thing. Um, that way, you get credit for your. Um, I know you put, you're gonna put a lot into it, even as a co-author. So it's really, really important. And again, that's why it's important you know, to have that book, that way it can teach some of the history. And, and then that kind of piggybacks off, you know, our topic, generate, uh, how, to, um, how important is creating generational wealth? Because again, this generational is like passing knowledge down to the next generation. So so when it comes to generational wealth, how important do you think that is as far as educating our youth, the next generation, or even the, the current generation? Generational wealth is extremely important because it is the financial freedom for the next generation to be able to not work so hard, okay? Um, a lot of people don't realize that um, setting up your family is not just for now, but it's also for the future. Being able to pass down assets that you've acquired, being able to pass down money that you've acquired to the next generation would help to set them up for their future. Um, it's a lot easier when you have 
um, some help versus having to start from scratch. We all know that, right? Um, if you don't have a solid foundation, it's hard to build that house because it didn't have that foundation to begin with. So definitely I would have to say general generational wealth is um, being able to pass down that information, that knowledge, that money, the assets to your family. So Ronnie, what do you think generational wealth stands for in your opinion? Again, just about <clears throat> the setting up the next generation to succeed, but somewhere along the way, someone has to put in the sacrifice. Somebody has to put in the work for the next generation. It can't be everybody like, it's just about me, it's about me, it's about me. Somebody have to take that. I mean, I don't want to say take the L, but somewhere along the way, somebody got to do the work. Like for example, like I'm, I'm, I'm using myself as an example. When I realized that the school system wasn't educating the kids on credit financial literacy, um, instead of me crying, complaining, and blaming everything on another race, um, I was like, you know, what can I do in my position? And that's when I started writing the books, um, you know, the eBooks, the magazine, you know, the podcast, because I want to equip, you know, the current and the next generation with that knowledge. Of course, but you said like your generational wealth is pretty much just one generation instead of the next one. Um, some generation, when they when they die, pass away, they leave a bill. Some generation leave a will. Um, it's kind of like that, just to set up the next generation, which is really, really important. And just like when it comes to financial literacy, you know, we have to teach the current and next generation about credit financial literacy. Because again, because the school system is not going to do it. Because I remember when I was in school, we did, we learned the Pythagorean theorem. And like, I can't remember the last time I used Pythagorean theorem. I don't, I don't remember how to spell Pythagorean theorem, to be honest, which is much less using it. So maybe that's probably why I don't know how to spell it. But that's besides the point. Like, I can't remember the last time I used that. Uh, you know, we dissect the frog. Like, I don't remember the last time I dissect the frog. Or even, you know, so the whole point was we learned a lot of stuff it was in the school system, but stuff when it came, you know, generational wealth credit, financial literacy, we didn't learn about none of that stuff, which is really kind of crazy. So sometimes I do ask myself, do stuff like that happen by design or is it just misinformation? Um, do you think Do you think it's systematic or what happens by design? In my opinion, yes, I do. I mean, I don't have any factual evidence to say that it was created by design, but I do find it a little bit um, suspect that there's certain school districts that teach it, and there's certain districts where there's predominantly brown and black minorities where they're not being taught. So what happens is that when you're not being taught from a young age, you don't have that knowledge, you don't have that power. So that allows you the ability to be able to destroy yourself very early on in life because you don't know the consequences. But if you were taught from very young on the importance of saving money, the importance of being very careful when you get that first credit card, the importance of when you do get that credit card, make sure you make those payments on time. Make sure you don't max out that credit card. Make sure that you understand the foundation of credit, not having a utilization at 100% where you basically haven't shown that you know how to manage that credit card. So definitely, um, do I feel like there is a little bit of like a, uh, double standard when it comes down to financial literacy? Absolutely, absolutely. And I do think that here in the United States, we need to do a better job. If the school systems aren't gonna do it, 
well, then we as individuals need to start to do it with individuals like you, where you are going out, spitting the gems and jewels, you're writing books, you're going out to speaking engagements and just spreading that word so that all of us can, can benefit. So definitely, yeah, I think that we should do a better job with the youth. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's, um, it's crazy though, because you actually named two of the five components that make up your credit score. The first one you said the payment history. And most people don't realize how important that is. That's 35% of your credit score. And then you said credit utilization. That's 30% of your credit score right there. And you're right. You, know, you don't want to keep it up. You don't want to take it up to 100%. Because the consumer for an agent experience transgene equal fact, they want you to keep your credit utilization at 30% or lower. But in reality, you want to keep it like 10% or even single digits. So just in case, you know, you just hop on here the first time listening, watching, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Again, we just drop, we just dropping gems and jewels. Because the five, there's five components that make your credit score, the two most important your payment history and your credit utilization. Look, I guarantee you, you take your payment, you keep your payment history at 100%, you keep your credit utilization 10% or lower, your score will go up. Now, here's the kicker. If you have a lot of negative items on your credit report, it's going to go up slowly. But if you don't have no negative items in credit report, I guarantee you do those two things. Your score is always going to climb. It's always going to go up. So, again, that was just like a free gems that we could, um, if you do want to get your credit score go up, those are two things that you can definitely do. And also, you just tell us a little bit about that nonprofit. Um, if you want, you can give us the name. You don't have to give us a name right now. But if you could just tell us just like a little bit about it. And then Absolutely. right before we go on commercial break, and after commercial break, we want to pick back up. So just give us like a couple sentences about the nonprofit. Absolutely. So the nonprofit organization is called the Haitian Empowerment Group. And primarily um, the nonprofit is to raise money and to raise awareness to help the people of Haiti. Um, as we see on the news every single day, um, the country is in a dire need for, for help. And as a Haitian American, I'm taking upon that responsibility upon myself to do what I can to help my people. And the organization is going to start off with first with the infrastructure, raising money to be able to build roads. Uh, because believe it or not, we do take it here for granted that we're able to just get on a highway and go from point A to B in a, in a quick manner. But in Haiti, unfortunately, they don't have that luxury. Sometimes and a, a one hour ride may take 10 hours because there's no roads. You're, you're basically driving on dirt. Um, the empowerment group is also gonna be able to uh, educate the youth to help them to have the skills to be able to be self-sustaining. Um, the empowerment group is also gonna be able to bring um, businesses to be able to um, invest in Haiti to be able to build that hotel so that we can have people to come to take a vacation, to be able to um, have running water, have electricity, have the basic things that we're lacking. Of course, yes, this is a big task, but it takes one person at a time. If everyone keeps turning a blind eye, we're gonna still stay in the same situation that we're in. We would never advance, we would never improve ourselves. So it's gonna take a person like me that is a Haitian American to be able to put my foot down and say enough is enough. Let's do something about it. So that's the basic gist of what the Haitian Empowerment Group is about. Oh, that's super, super awesome. 
So we about to take commercial break because we got bills to pay after this. We're going to pick right back up about the nonprofit. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, P, with P's Intuition here on the He Said What Network. Join me each and every Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time for your spiritual guidance, spiritual clarity, and intuitive oracle reading. All right. See y'all. Peace. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? It's your favorite credit here with our special guest, Valerie, up on here on this episode. And the topic is how important is generational wealth? Make sure you, make sure you hit the like, share, subscribe. Again, if you're a first-time listener, first-time watcher, definitely appreciate you. And if you've been supporting, definitely appreciate you on that too. So again, before the commercial break, we're talking to Valerie. She's telling us about this amazing nonprofit that she's currently working on and that's going to be helping Haiti. And before the commercial break, she also mentioned that Haiti was once one of the richest colonies in the Western Hemisphere. So that's super, super dope. Um, so again, if you just want to give us a little bit more information on a nonprofit, because again, I, I'm a big supporter of, of anyone that's doing anything positive. So just tell us a little bit more, our viewers or listener about it. Oh, absolutely. So a few other things that we're going to be doing is we are going to be actually going into Haiti um, hopefully when you know we do have that ability to go when it's a little bit safer to be able to share um, basic things with the Haitian people, such as we're going to be creating gift baskets <laughs> with soap, with shampoo, conditioner, with towels, clothing, food. Believe it or not, you know, here in the United States of America, we take that for granted that we're able to just go into a store, we have money, we can put it on our credit card and debit card and just make purchases. But in, unfortunately, if you could think about a country where people don't even have a job. So if you don't have a job, you can't even buy the basic necessities in order to take care of yourself, to take care of your family. So that's gonna be one of the first things that we do when we do step foot into Haiti, is we're gonna be providing care packages to the people. Um, then from then on, we're gonna be assessing the situation to see basically what will be next, such as, um, you know, partnering with various businesses um, to be able to show them that there's a lot of opportunity, there's a lot of um, growth that could definitely happen if they do invest in Haiti. Um, being able to also show the positive side, which I actually do see a lot right now going on on Instagram, on Facebook, where I see a lot of influencers actually spreading that word, showing the culture, showing the food, showing the dance, showing um, our true belief in God, showing um, just the just the people of how no matter what adversity becomes, you know, um, in front of us, no matter what um, may set us back, we're never going to let that stop us. We're going to continue to stay motivated. We're going to continue to keep um, trying to take care of ourselves and our family uh, because we do know that there is a change waiting. So that's a little bit about the beginning stages of where where we stand with this not-for-profit oh that's super awesome um sound like it's gonna be a great nonprofit. definitely looking forward to um helping making a positive impact supporting any way that i can yeah speaking of the culture in haiti haiti does have an amazing culture and also the food too uh, my favorite food is the grill uh, which basically is fried meat for anybody i don't know uh, which is super super awesome um, so i definitely want to Definitely, I'll definitely follow up with you on that one. Absolutely. Um, so, so, so let me ask you something though. So, when it uh, you know, piggyback off like as far as generational wealth and as far as credit, 
Now, if you was to be sitting on a couch, you know, right across from your younger self, what is two credit tip that you would give your younger self, your younger self about credit? Two credit tips I would give my younger self would be to be very careful when you get that first credit card. Because getting that first credit card and not being wise with your spending could actually um, unravel your life for many years if you don't know how to be responsible. So when you get that first credit card, don't look at it as like, oh, hey, I'm going to go to the mall. I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to get myself a couple of new outfits and then not be able to pay that bill at the end of the month. Looking at that credit card as a tool to be able to get you to the next level in your life. Use it wisely. If you make that purchase, make sure you have the money at the end of the month to pay it off in full. Get into that habit, not keeping the utilization high. Also, paying your bills on time. Like that was something that you said earlier about the importance of paying your bills on time. Even if you don't have the money to pay the bill on time, reach out to a family member, reach out to somebody, get that payment in because the consequences are just far too severe. If you could have just reached out and got a lending hand to make that payment. But it really starts from just being responsible from the beginning when you get that first credit card. So that would be one of the first things I would say um, my younger self would definitely advise the younger youth. Um, the second thing I would say would be to be financially responsible. Um, you know, let's stop wasting so much money on things that are unnecessary. And I can definitely say, like, as a female, I'm guilty of that. You know, like if we go out and we buy something from the beauty supply store, we don't need to buy 10 of them. We just need one, right? If we go to Ulta Beauty Supply, we don't need to buy, you know, uh, a cabinet full of makeup. Be wise with your spending. Um, save money. Look at your future. Put that money into a savings account so that you could buy a house. And if you can't afford to buy a house, save it for a condo, save it for a co-op. Or, you know, put it away into your 401k where you could get a match from your company. Like definitely my younger self would say, stop being so foolish with money. Hold on to money, value it. Because you know what? You never know. You may not have it tomorrow. Um, so that would be definitely two things I would uh, share. Hey, that's, that's those are definitely some good pointers. Uh, because uh, again, too, another another thing is too, but just having to just make that knowledge accessible for people. Again, uh, one of my book, uh, or if you can see it, it's called the Ten Credit Commandments. Yeah, right here it's also available, and also there's a handsome picture of me behind the book. Look at that right there. Look at that picture. Look at that. <laughs> go buy um, the book, please. Yeah, definitely go and buy the book. It is available on Amazon. I guess if I had a hairline, I'd probably look a little bit better, but oh, I still think I look good, though. Well, Ronnie, I have to yeah. add that you actually look amazing in that picture. Oh, well, thank and you. you don't need a hairline. You're perfect just the way you are. So keep up the great work. And we're looking forward to your next credit repair book. Oh, yeah. So I do. Actually, it's, it's a good thing you mentioned the next book because I actually have a children's book that I'm working on. Um, this one's going to be tailored to like the younger kids because, again, you're never too young to learn about credit. My son, he was nine years old when he learned about credit. My daughter, she was, uh, I think she's like 14 when she learned about credit. Um, so you never too young. So I do have a children's book that's coming out. Um, hopefully it can come out mid, like next 30 days. So I'm super excited about that. Because again, I just, I got to the point where I realized how important the information was. And I just wanted to be accessible to everybody. I literally like, I network with school teachers, educators, nonprofit, business owners, 
I mean, I literally, I would literally network with anybody to make this information available to them. That's how important it is. So that's very, very important. And actually, since we got some time, we're actually going to take two questions. So one of the questions is, uh, what is the best way to raise your credit score? And actually, you actually, the two things that you mentioned was keeping your credit utilization under 30%, your 10% lower, and then making your payments on time. On time payments is very, very important. So those are the two things that you can do to raise your credit score. Uh, third thing you can actually do, you can actually go in as an authorized user. Let's just say you have a spouse or an uncle or cousin, somebody that have perfect, excellent credit. They can actually put you on as an authorized user. So that's the three ways you can use to raise your credit score. Uh, well, the next question is, um, okay, okay. she said, um, the young lady said, um, I, yeah, I have to actually read, read it right here. He said, um, yes, I had um, a late payment on my credit report, and then I sent in a goodwill letter, and the bank still did not remove the late payment. Um, so what a goodwill letter is, you're basically saying, look, I was late, and, you know, this happened, that happened. You're pretty much at their mercy saying, you know, please forgive me, I did something wrong. So goodwill letter, it's a 50-50 shot when you send a goodwill letter. There's even more do that. So just because you send a goodwill letter, and it didn't come off. Don't give up because this is the credit lab. I'm gonna give you some jewels. I'm gonna give you the straight facts how to get it off. You know. So again, so I would never, I would hardly ever suggest sending a goodwill letter because it's like a 50/50 chance it's actually gonna work. So one of the things that you can do is you can actually do a factual dispute. That's right, factual dispute. You pull your experience, transunion, Equifax, have all three reports side by side, and look at that one account. And see if there's any inconsistencies between the three report, maybe like the open date, the statement date, the balance. Um, see if there's any consistencies. And you can use that when you write your letter. You can write that to the consumer reporting agency. And if that don't work, you can actually use consumer law. Go we'll pull up the Fair Credit Reporting Act under 15 U.S.C. 1681A. Actually, late payments are actually illegal. That's right. <laughs> you heard it here. Late payments are actually illegal. So just imagine, like, everybody got late payments, been struggling with them. Because one late payment can actually drop the score between, like, 10 to 60 points. So now you got the jewels. Now you can actually get late payments removed off your credit report because they're not supposed to be on there. Now just imagine if you didn't tap in on this show, you wouldn't even knew that. So that's why it's important to tap in. Now, let's just say you do have further credit. Maybe somebody else that you might be connected to that could use that information. So now you can go and tell all your friends that late payments are illegal. They shouldn't bring credit for You can actually take them off. If you use consumer law, again, if you pull up the Fair Credit Report in that 15 U.S.C. 1681A, it's going to tell you that the 15, uh, 15 U.S.C. 1681A to AI, I believe. But actually, it's on there. It'll tell you like late payments are illegal. So I actually use the word transaction. It's not going to say late payment, it'll say transaction. And if you think about your transaction, all your payment history, and it says that's, 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 that's an exclusion of your credit report. So, and let's just say you do have a late payments and you don't feel like doing the research, you don't feel like doing the study, you can reach out to me. You already got the late payment deletion package waiting already. I want to add a little, a little something into yes. this conversation. Yes. Thank you, Ronnie, so much because I did utilize one of your letters and I did send it off to Capital One Auto and I was able to get the status updated, which increased my credit by 23 points. So thank you very much. Oh, so that's good. Yes. 
Absolutely. So, yeah. So again, that's a prime example how uh, when you use consumer law, you can actually get the stuff off your credit report. Now, now I'm not saying that's the only way to get them off because there's more than one way to skin a cat. You know, you can use the Metro 2 compliance. You use the fascia dispute. There's so many other avenues. But when you use the laws that's in the books, it's kind of hard for them to. I mean, so when, so another thing too. So a quick note: for the first time you send in a letter made to the creditor or consumer reporting agencies, sometimes they might not respond the way you want them to respond. But the thing is, you don't want to give up because you know your rights. These are rights that's mandated by Congress. So you just got to be persistent with it when you do have that stuff. Uh, so uh, another question is, um, I went to a car dealership. I got my car. Um, it was a car that I wanted. The interest was a little high, but they told me they was going to run my credit once. When I left the dealership, but then like 30 days later, I, um, I realized I had three hard inquiries. Oh, look, that happens to a lot of us. Many of us who go to the car dealership. They said, we're going to pull it one time. And then they pull like 20 times. I use myself as an example. When I got my first car, it was a long time ago. I went to the car dealership. It was literally like daytime outside, probably like around like five in the afternoon. When I got out, it was turning off the lights. They was closing the doors. That's how bad my credit was. And I had to run it many times. I had a lot of hard inquiries. But back then, I didn't know how to take them off. So hard inquiries are not impossible. They can be a little difficult, but they're not impossible to remove. But they're still in credit for two years. And for the first 12 years, actually, for the first credit for two years, for the first 12 months to actually impact your score, then after the next 12 months, it'll impact it, but they're still on your credit report. So, I mean, a black eye is a black eye. It don't matter how you look at it. Too many hard inquiries is good. So, I'm going to give you a secret sauce how to remove hard inquiries. Uh, you got a pen. It's 15 U.S.C. 1681B, permissible purpose. 15 U.S.C. 1681B, permissible purpose. Basically, it just says whoever... Whoever pull your credit for, they need to have your written consent. So what you do is you you write a letter to the to those to those creditors. Say, hey, you know, on such and such day, you pull my eyes. I noticed there was a hard inquiry on my credit report. Please provide me the written consent that I gave you to pull my credit report. And of course, the first time you send that letter, they might come back. They say, well, you went to X, Y, Z, and then you won't you won't rebut. You gonna say, look, you need to have my written consent. Provide my written consent. And they if they can't provide, then they have to take it off. We can actually take them to court with thousand dollar per violation, and that's 15 USC 1681 in civil liability. That's right. When they violate your right, you can actually get paid. So it's almost like you can actually get paid for having bad credit, right? So again, this is what we do in Credit Lab Podcast: dropping juice, dropping gems, giving giving tools, giving knowledge that's going to change your life. And again, the topic for this uh, the topic of this episode was how important is generational wealth. And we had a super amazing guest, Valerie. Thank you for being up on here. You know, she told us about her amazing privacy work on a book. Um, is there any last words that you want to give to our listeners, the viewers? Absolutely. I want to spread some positive words to your viewers. First of all, I want to let my people know that no matter what position you are in life, go after your dreams. Empower yourself. Love yourself. Motivate yourself. Okay, you can accomplish anything in your life as long as you persevere, never quit. So those are my final messages. <clears throat> well, thank you. I definitely appreciate that again. You know, thank you for being on here. And also, too, everybody, do not forget to pick up your copy of the Ten Credit Commandments. And also, if you look at the bottom, like the contributing authors, 
are my kids. Yeah, so here's the right here. The contributing authors of the Bible's Cheaper Pool and the Ten Credit Commandments. It is on Amazon. But I just say, for example, like, you know, times is hard and you just don't have, uh, I think it's like $14 for the book. You don't have it. I will send you an ebook version for free. That's what I was saying, ebook, but don't tell nobody. This is my secret of yours. Don't tell nobody else. Right. I'm going to give you the ebook for free if you can't get the book. Again, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. This amazing, amazing show. And also, too, I want to give a big shout out to all the amazing shows that's on the, on this network, too. So don't forget, we literally have a show, like, I think, like, every night of the week, except for Sunday. So there's amazing shows on here. Definitely check them out. Again, thank you. I definitely appreciate you. Thank God you. bless. Thank you.